Help us be patient and strengthen our hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. I know the waiting for Christmas can seem endless, but the process of waiting and of being faithful to our tradition while anticipating Christmas is really important. I had an opportunity a few years ago to hear a story from a friend of her childhood experience when she learned the importance and value of waiting and anticipating and anticipating the joy of Christmas. So with her permission, I tell you this story. She had asked her mother for a leather belt for Christmas and knew that her mother had stashed some Christmas presents in her closet. Well, she went looking. She found a box, the perfect size for a belt, and she opened it. There, neatly coiled and nestled in fresh tissue paper, was a beautiful leather belt. She knew instantly that she had stumbled upon the present that she had asked for, and she was thrilled with it, and she was very eager to have it be hers at Christmas. So she carefully put the lid back on the box and returned it to its hiding place in the closet. Well, it wasn't until Christmas Day began to draw near that she realized she was going to have to open this box in front of her family, already knowing the contents. And she began to wonder how she would pull off being surprised, or would she confess to what she had done? Curiously, as she revealed this story to me, she didn't actually remember the box opening event on Christmas Day, except that she was pretty sure she hadn't confessed anything to anybody. What did stick with her, though, was her experience of ruining for her, ruining for herself the opportunity of feeling joy on Christmas at being able to rejoice at the receipt of a treasured gift, something she had looked forward to receiving. So Advent, in our tradition, is like that, in that Christmas decorations that we see in the secular world and the Christmas music we hear doesn't begin to enter our sanctuary until we get very close to the arrival of Jesus. How much more meaningful is that arrival when we come to church on Christmas and see the church fully decorated and hear the beautiful Christmas music for the first, not the umpteenth, time? But today we're taking a little bit of a break in this penitential season of Advent. This Sunday, Advent 3, is known as Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete means rejoice. And in that spirit, the candle we lit on our Advent wreath is pink. And in our lectionary readings, we hear reasons for rejoicing. Isaiah tells how God is preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah, 
Isaiah says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. And then we hear how God promises to restore people to wholeness. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. While we rejoice today, this is still Advent, and because of that, we need to pay attention to how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, how we interact with others, how we treat others when we're outside of this particular space at this particular time, the rest of the week. It's still two weeks until Christmas, and when Christmas does arrive, the joy we feel and the rejoicing we will do at that time will be directly tied to how faithfully we continue in this season of Advent. Just like my friend who spoiled for herself the joy of receiving that gift by opening it too soon. But we know this is not easy. There are more distractions than we can imagine. If the commercialism and the consumerism isn't enough to blind us, then the continuing hangover from the election and the daily prognostications of where the world is headed will certainly do the trick. It's enough to make us wonder if we really can look forward to the coming, once again, of Jesus Christ into the world. But we're not the only ones asking this question. In our Gospel reading today, we learned that the Roman authorities have imprisoned John the Baptist. It was just last week when we heard him declaring, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And today, John is asking, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Was it the fact of his imprisonment that made him question who Jesus was? Why or how would this have happened now that the Messiah is here? We don't know the answer to that question, and of course, Jesus doesn't provide a direct response. And his answer tells us much more about who he is. His words reflect our Isaiah reading. Jesus wants John to know what is happening in Jesus' ministry. What has he been about? And Jesus says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Because of Jesus coming into the world, people are being restored to wholeness. This is what the world is like with Jesus in it. John doesn't need to wonder whether Jesus is the one or not. But don't we all know the world to be a little different from how Jesus describes it could be? We have a ways to go to bridge gaps, to bring people together, to help people feel they've been restored to wholeness. Lately, I've been seeing some people, not many, but some people trying to ease up 
on denigrating everything and everyone with whom they do not agree. The letter of James this morning clearly says, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. And, beloved, do not grumble against one another. I'm not suggesting we do, not, we do nothing about those with whom we disagree, but we could dial down the volume a bit. We could also follow the suggestions of Parker Palmer in his book, Healing the Heart of Democracy. Many of us read this book in the Dean's Forum for several weeks prior to the November election. According to Palmer, and I quote here, I must learn how to speak up in civil community without denying my opponents their humanity and further poisoning the political ecosystem on which democracy depends. Tensions between different groups are woven into the fabric of our democracy. We know that. There will always be tension. We need to expect it and learn how to embrace it and engage with it and welcome it, knowing that when it's present, we are actually confronting it and not denying it or running away from it. Where we start, according to Palmer, is with habits of the heart. And again, quoting Palmer, these habits that allow us to embrace diversity rather than break down and have it further divide us. We will never forge any kind of working relationship with the other if we continue to remain in our private silos and deliberately exclude those who we perceive to be different. We cannot automatically view strangers as enemies. We need to engage with those who differ from us and listen, really listen to what they say, what they believe, and learn why. It is by engaging in such a dialogue that we can begin to understand where our differences lie, what they are, and to what degree we can or cannot overcome them in order to live more peacefully, ultimately enabling people, all people, to be restored to wholeness. My prayer for all of us in these last two weeks of Advent is that we remain faithful to our tradition. In doing so, we may look forward with great anticipation and joy to the coming of Jesus. How will you remain faithful throughout the next two weeks?